0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. Uh, coming in live today on the Zoom app and also on Scott Snodderer's Facebook page. And so, if you're coming on on uh, either one of those, there are a couple of different instructions for you to be able to interact with us in the show today. Uh, if you're coming in on the Zoom app, you can submit your comments or your questions to the chat window or to the Q&A box, and either one of those will be able to see and monitor and and answer your questions and comments today. Uh, Or if you're coming in on Scott's Facebook page, you can put those comments in the uh, comment window on Facebook, and I'll be looking at those, monitoring that throughout the show. Um, So if you have questions about what we're talking about today or any other questions you want us to discuss on our show, we'd be happy to uh, pivot and start discussing your question if it's uh, applicable today. Um, Or you can submit those questions later on to us at BibleQuest.tv. Uh, and we can get to those in some future shows. Uh, so let's bring in our panelists today. Uh, we've got Justin Dobbs with us again today. How are you doing, Justin?
1: Doing great, Jonathan. Doing okay?
0: I'm doing well. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy here in our household. We just got a new dog, and uh, that, that's that been fun. Um, but he's quiet, so you won't hear him today. Uh, so we'll <laughs> that's doing. good. Dan Bunting is with us also. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. Good Good to see you, Dan. And we've got our program director, Scott Smelser. How are you doing today, Scott?
2: Trying to get live, there we go. Okay, I'm all involved. Good, good to see you guys. All right, Um, so Scott, what are we gonna be talking about today? Okay, first we've got the question that CJ sent to us uh, last week. So Jonathan, if you'll in a minute read that question and then I'll ask the panel to start responding to that. Uh, we're, unless, if, if anybody in the audience has further questions on that, uh, feel free to ask further questions. Otherwise, we'll probably deal with it relatively briefly and then continue our reading through the Gospel of James and getting into Chapter 2. Uh, and somebody just mentioned up front to help remind people, what are some of the things that we're going to be getting into in James Chapter 2? One of the biggest Kind of
0: themes and maybe the first theme is the idea of partiality and how you treat people and dealing with people judging
2: people yep yep and so we'll talk about that and that's really worth thinking about oh uh, what else are we going to be getting into in james chapter two well along with how we're looking at others uh considering how we look at ourselves and our own behavior yeah yeah so very very practical stuff coming up in a few minutes on james chapter two Uh, But first, uh, Jonathan, how about read that uh, question from CJ and then panel begin addressing that. So the question from CJ came in uh, last
0: week. Uh, His question was, what is the difference or what was the difference between John's and Jesus's baptism? So I guess we can get started just in the text, probably the, the primary text that addresses and talks about that is in Acts chapter 19. Um, so I can read this story here in Acts chapter 19 and give a little bit of background first and then read the first few verses in Acts 19. Um, this is during Paul's uh, uh, one of his missionary journeys and he is leaving from uh, Corinth and heading to Ephesus or Apollos is leaving from leaving from Ephesus and going to Corinth. Apollos was a preacher who was just in Ephesus that in the previous chapter was corrected um, by uh, two Christians named Aquila and Priscilla because he was teaching people about about Jesus. Um, But it says in Acts chapter 18, In verse 24, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. And that's what he's doing while he's in Ephesus. We see kind of some of the aftermath in Acts 19 from uh, where Apollos was in Ephesus. So it says in Acts 19, verse one, it happened that when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and he came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, and there were about 12 men in all.
1: one of the things this makes me think of is how in Acts 2, um, you know, Peter instructs the people to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized. Everyone be in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then later in Acts 8, you see Philip and Samaria uh, teaching people to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and they are. um So the the promise holds true if they receive the Holy Spirit, but then later Peter and John come down from Jerusalem to lay hands on people. So it seems like Paul in Acts 19 is offering to pass along these miraculous gifts of the Spirit, uh, just what Peter and John do in Acts 8, assuming if they'd already received the Spirit because they've been baptized in the name of Jesus. They don't seem to understand what's going on here. So there is this distinction, it seems like, between John's baptism and Jesus's baptism, and they hadn't heard that, uh, and so their understanding, even of John's teaching, is incomplete, because John is saying, trust in the one who's to come, uh, and they, they didn't understand that. So once they had heard about Jesus coming, uh, then they're baptized into his name. So that's kind of the big question I see in Acts 19.3 is into what then we baptized? If we're baptized into Jesus then there's, there's salvation, there's this reconciliation between us and God, there's the receiving of the Spirit. Uh, on top of that, in Acts 19, which is kind of separate from their baptism, but on top of that salvation they receive, they also are given the miraculous gifts of the Spirit. So that's not really part of the baptism discussion, um, but there is that distinction. John's baptism was just in hope of the one to come, whereas Jesus' baptism is actually in his name. Uh, that's kind
2: of my understanding of that so we're really kind of coming in in the middle of conversation here uh luke doesn't tell us everything that's happened but what has obviously happened in prior discussion with these 12 men and what obviously had not been discussed they heard about john they heard
3: about john's baptism and they haven't heard about jesus or
2: or whatever they have heard about jesus isn't complete Okay, yeah. Uh, It's probably similar to Apollos. Apollos at the end of chapter 18 is described as, uh, so let's start back in 24. Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Being fervent in spirit, he spoke and talked accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Um, Aquila and Priscilla straighten him out. He leaves. Notably, Luke doesn't tell us whether or not Apollos was rebaptized. Uh, we can maybe talk about that a little bit. The text doesn't say, so he may have been or may not have been. Uh, but if he wasn't, there may be a reason for that. But then Paul gets there and he finds a dozen other guys in somewhat similar circumstance So he knows they're believers, and he knows they've been baptized. So we we don't have all that conversation, but as Justin said, Paul, you know, when he came to town, he was gonna preach Christ. Well, these people already believe in Christ. Uh, He would baptize people into Christ. Well, these people have already been baptized, but the conversation hadn't gone quite deep enough. So like Justin said, another thing Paul as an apostle could do Was When he was in town, he could lay hands and give you spiritual gifts. This is the days before the New Testament is available, uh, and it gave them uh, the ability to be getting portions of the word out. What are some verses real quickly that show us other texts about, say, Paul passing on spiritual gifts with his hands? I don't remember
0: if it's is it first Timothy or second Timothy one, uh, it talks about the gift that was given to Timothy when he laid on mm-hmm. his hands.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so twice it's referred to once it says that was given through the laying on of my hands. And once it refers to the gift that was given with the laying on of the hands, the presbytery, right. The other text is through the laying on of my hands and the Corinthians, you know, they had lots of, spiritual gifts paul had been there and and no doubt would have laid hands on people there as um james and peter did or john and peter which was it back up in
1: yeah peter and peter and john and there luke observes you know like sort of in this narration style that it was by the laying on of the hands of the apostles yeah
2: right right jonathan
0: And that verse specifically, just for our viewers, of Paul laying on his hands and and giving a gift to Timothy is 2
2: Timothy chapter one and verse six. Thank you very much. So Paul's gotten to town. So here we are, mid-conversation. He already knows they're believers. He knows they're disciples of some sort. They've been baptized. He's assuming they've been baptized into Christ. So now he's offering to do the next thing he can do. He doesn't need to tell them about Jesus thinks he doesn't need to baptize him into Christ, but, hey, have you guys received the Spirit? And as Justin pointed out, their response was... You know. another. Yeah, yeah, I like I like Dan's facial expression there. That's actually... <laughs> it's a footnote in my text, that yeah. facial expression. <laughs> That's nice. Um, and so this causes Paul to back up and say, now, when you said you were baptized... <laughs> I mean, what do you know what that think that means? I got that line wrong. Sorry, but uh, so uh, then he said they said John's baptism, and so then we have this. Uh, so uh, at first, any other comments or discussion on that? Uh, and if not, uh, I'd like to pose a question to talk about briefly. Why wouldn't we have a record of Apollos being rebaptized? Because he also had known about Jesus, but not about Jesus' baptism. And that's partly we can just say the text doesn't say, but there might be something else there to look at. But, or any other comments on this section at all?
0: Oh, I think, I think you guys we'll... are thinking. Sorry, go
3: ahead. Just uh, it's a small comment really uh not 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 to answer your question but i think what's really interesting is that we see the baptism of john in that john shows up and he's baptizing people yes and uh, then we have this little story uh, a lot later in the history uh, as time goes on that that the teaching of john's baptism had gone out but really we don't have a lot of information about uh, you know what john's baptism is we can talk a lot about what jesus's baptism was for what it did for people um how it was proclaimed and proclaimed and proclaimed uh but that that makes it part of the dif- difficulty in understanding what's the difference between the two we know a lot about jesus's baptism and really the big part of what we know about john's baptism was jesus is coming after this and and to me that's uh, that, that's not a very good answer of what's the difference between the two but the whole point of the one first was so that the second one would be coming, the light, the, the voice crying out in the wilderness, something better is coming. Um, and so really, only to me, what always jumps out is the big difference between the two is that one was better, and the lesser was always pointing to the better. And that, that, I think that's just a helpful idea to keep in right. mind, thinking about it. Very good. Other thoughts?
0: Yeah, and even also, John, whenever he's questioned about, about it, um, there's the situation that happens in, in the Gospel of John. Uh, chapter three, where John's disciples are noticing that Jesus is starting to baptize people. And they're like, John, (laughs) Jesus is baptizing more people than you, you know, you gotta do something about it. And so John says in John three, um, uh verse 28 you yourselves bear me witness that i said i am not the christ but i have been sent before him the one who has the bride is the bridegroom and the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice therefore this joy of mine is now complete he must increase and i must decrease um so even john you know when questioned about it he said right and that's what's supposed to be happening go to yeah. Jesus. And that was like his whole sermon over and over. Behold, the Lamb of God, you know, go to him. And that's, you know, where Andrew came from and Peter came from and and some of the other disciples of John. Um, so John's message was constantly go to Jesus. That's a better baptism. And it reminds me a little bit of not exactly the same situation, but it reminds me of Paul's words in First Corinthians chapter 1 where you've got the different disciples at the church of Corinth that are saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas or whatever. And Paul says, you know, what? Um, and he says in 1 first, first Corinthians chapter one, is Christ divided? This is verse 13. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And those are rhetorical questions saying, No, (laughs) you're a disciple of Christ. Um, And so you need to be baptized in the name of Christ. You need to be following Christ because he's the one that was crucified for you and died for you. That's where the power is, um, not in John's baptism.
2: Let me throw out a thought here. And I don't know if this is is correct or not. So feel free to tell me it's vain speculation or maybe so, or if you know of a reason why this wouldn't be so. Uh, First off, I'm... I'm loading this a bit with the fact that Luke tells us Aquila and Priscilla explained it to Apollos. And then with the 12, Paul rebaptized them. And I'm kind of assuming that if Luke, you know, if, if Apollos had been rebaptized, he would have told us. That's not a safe assumption. It is an assumption because the more you read Luke, you find out that there are things that you might think, well, he would have said that, and he didn't necessarily say that. He's got to cover 30 years in, in uh, 28 chapters. He doesn't tell us everything that we might like to know. However, there is this possibility. Um, Andrew was a disciple of John. He would have been baptized by John. Was he rebaptized by Jesus? I don't know. Were the apostles rebaptized on the day of baptism? of Pentecost. If it happened, the Bible doesn't say so. People that responded to John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance unto remission of sins, Mark chapter 1, did they have to be rebaptized? I don't know that they had to be. It may be that, that uh, Apollos had been baptized in John's baptism back when it was still valid, and now he's preaching Christ, but he's teaching a baptism that's out of date that's a possibility but we don't know jonathan there's a comment coming from
0: patrick where he says with jesus's baptism you had to believe in the resurrection of christ and he cites uh, romans 10 verse 9 and 10 where it says in romans 10 verse 9 "Um, if you confess with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved and romans chapter 6 also connects baptism with the death of christ you know don't don't you know well, that those of you who were baptized were baptized into his death so good jesus's baptism had to necessarily come after his death <laughs> whereas when john was baptizing
2: people jesus hadn't yet died yet so. yeah well now jesus through his disciples was baptizing people back in john 4 yeah. but mm-hmm. they don't realize that this is a symbol of his death burial and resurrection like like uh, uh acts chapter 6 uh so if they uh, go ahead, just. So just
1: on that point, uh, this is kind of extra biblical, but I think historically baptism, have, it wasn't like John just came along and pff, there's baptism for the very first time in history. You know, there are others, other Jewish sects who used baptism as sort of this death of the old and new life into Judaism before, right? Like the Essenes practiced some form of baptism, right?
2: Uh, Not the ones that the not not for that purpose at Qumran. Their baptism was a daily baptism. I see. And it was at noontime. They would uh, they'd be out working at noon. They would take a break and they would all go into the baptismal pit and wash themselves. So it's kind of striking. It's kind of like in First Peter, where it says, talking about Christian baptism, it's not the removal of the filth of the flesh. That's what the Essenes were doing. They were getting themselves clean. And then they put on white robes and sat down and ate their communal meal. And it's something they did very, every day, it, it was a bath. So it wasn't about old life, new life, a one-time thing. It was a it was a daily bath.
1: Was there not the baptism of uh, proselytes into Judaism?
2: There may have been. I haven't looked closely at okay. how proselytes were done. So there may have been something. Yeah, another comment
0: from uh, Paul. Um, he agrees. That's kind of uh, where I'm landing of, of late. He says, baptism of John saved when it was valid. It doesn't make sense that the salvation would then be invalidated. And then he also goes on to say, I'm grateful that it's mostly a hypothetical question for us today. So we don't have to worry much about that application." You know, the, right. the, point no, of, right. the point of John was
2: to get us to Jesus. And that's yeah. what John would, ta- would teach you. Anyway. Yes. Amen. I want to illustrate the opposite of that. There is a sect in Iran and Iraq that still practices John the Baptist's baptism. And they don't believe in Jesus. They're the Mandians. And so here, I'll show you a picture of them. Uh, Here they are. And um, that's them praying. I thought that was gonna be a picture of them baptizing, but it's not. But notice here, this is from, do you see here from Britannica, Mandianism, is that showing right now? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Mandianism, a Middle Eastern religion still surviving in Iraq and Southwest Iran. And notice here, they've got a a baptism. They viewed Jesus as a false messiah, but revered John the Baptist. And and they still practice uh, baptism, basically in the name of John the Baptist. And so it is a simple way to illustrate if you met one of them would you say oh you're good <laughs> uh, now well, uh, y'all pointed out the whole purpose of John the Baptist was was to lead to Jesus yeah. and these clearly uh, possibly Apollos was also rebaptized and Luke just doesn't record it but it looks like clearly these other 12 guys probably in, up here in Asia Minor were probably not all baptized by John the Baptist this is something that came along later they've done it it's way out of date they mispoint and paul says oh let's first get you baptized into christ and then we'll get you some spiritual gifts go ahead john yeah
0: paul asked is that group the mandians are they a group that actually dates back to the time of john and his baptism or did they arise later down the road
2: Ooh, i don't know uh i don't know the history of them well enough sometimes they're thought of as a gnostic sect and so I'm sure in their present form today, they've probably, you know, done this or that along the way. But uh, I, I think they are and my impression is they are an ancient sect uh, that, and the fact is John the Baptist was absolutely a huge wide ranging character. Josephus talks more about John the Baptist than he does about Jesus. And uh, uh, one of the defeats of Herod's army Josephus tells us that some of the Jewish people said he got defeated for what he did to John the Baptist. John the Baptist really made a big historical note, and some people got his point of go to Jesus. Go ahead, Justin.
1: Well, and, and just to, I think you said it was Paul's comment. Um, some, a lot of this is hypothetical, and it's I'm thankful not to think about when did this come into occurrence and did this take effect, and at what point was this obsolete? Um, Certainly, the resurrection of Christ is a huge marker. Uh, But, you know, Ephesians 4 says there's one baptism. And then 1 Corinthians 10, I think, this identity of being, for the Israelites, it was baptized into Moses, and certainly now we're baptized into Christ, I think, is is Paul's connection. So whatever uh, shades of difficulty we're having with understanding some of these distinctions between John's and the transition to Jesus... Uh, today, it's obvious like the one baptism has got to be We're baptized into Christ.
2: Right. And, and a good takeaway from this is for people to think about just because somebody somewhere did something to me that they called a baptism doesn't necessarily mean that I was baptized in the authority of Christ. Also, just because you attach the words in the name of Christ to something doesn't make it. In the name of Christ. Right. Uh, and there's an example of that later in Acts 19.
1: Yeah. The sons of Sceva, yeah. right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Because they decided to cast out demons in the,
1: in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. Wow.
2: Right. They said the words, but nobody that Jesus is held, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything further on that, fellas? All right. Um, uh, somebody go ahead with a comment. I want to take a look at a comment here. Uh, so anybody else has anything on your mind or get us started on James too, whatever you want to
0: do. Oh, we can go ahead and go over to James. So we started James, uh, I think it was a week ago or a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, um, we got through chapter one, so we're ready for, for chapter two. Um, just kind of recapping a little bit in James, just kind of typically what you get out of James and some, some first impressions. James really, to me, Uh, is a lot like the proverbs Uh, and i've heard that before uh how it's described um it's like the proverbs of the new testament so there's just a lot of like little nuggets of wisdom and practical advice practical living and things like that um so quickly what are some of like the bullet points of chapter one
1: you guys uh not all trials are bad um he says you know uh, verse two comes to mind you know is trials are a blessing from god because god is uh producing in us you know fortitude steadfastness mm-hmm. trials are a and, blessing
3: yeah it, and that's one of the opposites that i was going to point out you know the bad things of trials are actually good things um then the the, it, the one who's rich needs to glory in his humiliation the one who's poor needs to glory in his exaltation and uh the, just just the way that I think our personalities twist the reality of the world around we see tr- troubles and temptations and we might blame it on God when every perfect gift comes from God I think mm-hmm. so he, he's trying to get us to get our head uh, screwed on the right way
0: yeah cool yeah and there are a few other points in different directions James goes in chapter one but he gets to chapter two And there's kind of a little bit of a new subject that comes up first time in James, at least if I understand correctly. So he has this scenario that he wants to paint to illustrate uh, a truth about God and about how God's people should be. So I'll read James chapter two, verse one says, my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and you pay attention, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you then have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of, to the kingdom? which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are you not not the rich ones, the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called?" Uh, So that's the scenario, that's the principle. What are you guys' thoughts, discussion on that and what James is talking about here?
1: Well, I will say that earlier, he had talked about the rich and the poor in one verses nine through 10, but it seemed like it was more of this vertical attitude that we need to be humble um, toward God and exalt in the right reasons, that he is the one who has lifted us up out of our, uh, our poverty. But here it's more of this horizontal relationship that we need to be thinking about how we relate to each other. And so the, the rich need to get their heads on straight, like, like Dan said, may um, we, we be aware it's, it's really tempting to prioritize certain people, and perhaps the reason we do that is because we think that they have something to offer us. If we've got our heads screwed on straight, we realize that Jesus has already made us rich, so why do I need this guy uh, to, uh, to profit me in some way? I've already got every, every rich blessing in Christ.
2: Dan, any thoughts?
3: Well, it strikes me that as I'm reading through this, um, I, I tend to think that I do pretty pretty well with rich versus poor. I you know I've I've heard that a lot. I you know of course the, you know take take heed lest you fall. I, I say this and then I'm going to prove myself wrong really soon. I'm sure, but I I think I do a pretty decent job at recognizing somebody who is rich and then recognizing somebody who may be poor, and not making that that big of a distinction. Uh, that's a little bit easier for me. But if I see someone coming into church, let's just translate it. You know, coming into church, right? And somebody looks like they've studied the Bible a lot, and they really know what they're talking about. I might give them a lot of um, credibility and a lot of respect, and I'm, I'm interested in them. And if somebody comes in who clearly doesn't know much about the Bible, I don't know what about their clothing is going to make it clear that they don't know the Bible. See, that's that's showing my problem. Um, that's the scenario uh, that that I play in my mind. Um, so it could be. Uh, physical riches it could yeah. be like intellectualism any number of ways yeah
2: or you know uh somebody walks in the door and they you know pulled up in a new SUV and they hop out and there's the husband and the wife and the three well-behaved kids yeah. we are happy 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 to see them uh they pull up you know in an old you know, minivan with, you know, different colors of paint on it and smoke coming out the back and out hops the frazzled single mom with some really misbehaved kids. There are a
3: lot of different riches in the world. Yeah. And go ahead, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, we've, we've talked about to one of the points in James is that James often in his in his language will echo some of the teachings of Jesus and one of them that comes to my mind is in Luke chapter six and I I think Jesus just really gets to the point of this idea of showing partiality and I don't know maybe judging a book by its cover that kind of thing and his his whole point that Jesus makes in Luke six is that's not how God works so you shouldn't either um but he says in in Luke chapter six and verse 32 But you love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. So, like, you think about God, what if God judged us by his first impression of us? Um, we would all be pretty, in a pretty pitiful situation, but God doesn't do that. He's, he's merc- merciful and gracious and helpful, and those are things, and patient with those that are in need. And so we should be the same.
2: And, and his first impression of us when we were a newborn baby might be more favorable than his impression of us when we sure. were 18, 19, 20 or something like that. Sure. So go ahead, Justin.
1: Oh, well, you had mentioned earlier, Jonathan, that uh, James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. There are a number of Proverbs that address how we're to treat the poor or how we're to be cautious about the wealthy and the rich, you know, it talks about if you're a rich man's house, eating his food, put a knife to your throat. I mean, just be really careful. You don't get sucked into what he has to offer. Uh, but Proverbs 14, 20 through 21 says the poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Uh, in verse uh, chapter 17 verse 5 whoever mocks the poor insults his maker so again there's this if we're thinking rightly uh toward god it's going to change the way that we treat people around us um, this person is made in god's image
2: yeah.
1: I, I need to treat him like he's made in god's image yeah
2: yeah
1: and
3: that's that's really what he's saying at the end of chapter one if you want to be pure religious, you know, if you want to be the definition of a religious person, then that isn't fancy hats; it's helping widows and orphans in their distress. So don't hold the faith of God in partiality. And then he goes into this very detailed description.
2: Notice their description: the, and I believe in the Greek, it's fatherless, fatherless and widows. Mm-hmm let's come back to not just financial thing, an elderly widow visits church, yeah. you know, oh, well, it's good she was there, maybe she'll come back, you know, do you show the same interest as right. if it had been that, you know, young full family with, with a bunch of kids in tow, right, you know, uh, and, and, and the fatherless, you know, again again, coming back to those uh single moms or a single dad but in the case of fatherless would be single mom there are a lot of kids out there and a lot of single moms out there who could use some help mm. from in stepping up and spending time with some of those fatherless kids and so it, this this reminds me of jesus's parable in matthew chapter 18 about the unmerciful servant you know you read that a guy's forgiven you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, and then he goes out and he's you know throwing this guy in pr- right after that for for this tiny debt, and we think how nobody'd ever do that, and then you stop and realize how often we've wanted God to forgive us, but then we haven't been crazy about forgiving somebody else, and you know we could think, oh, I would never say to a rich man, oh, sit here and poor man, sit down there, but there's other ways that we can do that. Yeah. Um, what about the homeless guy? Um, now I, I've worked with a couple of homeless guys, uh, this summer and one, you know, is, uh, then he got, uh, working and, and got more stable and, uh, uh, and, you know, we're studying a lot and he's coming to church one, you know, I, I he just wouldn't accept help uh now he would have accepted just handouts and free stuff but he didn't want help when i met him he said i need a shower you know i, I drove to go get him a shower and then he wouldn't take a shower so you know um uh, it, it reminded me of the old expression you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it take a shower um the the uh but we need to be not prejudging people based on what it looks like we will get out of them and I want to throw this out there. Why is it that, because James is, he's not going to stop here. He's going to talk about the rich again in chapter five. Why is it that people resent the rich or jealous of the rich, but want to be the rich or hang out with the rich if they get a chance? You know, this, the same people talk about, oh, the 1%, the 1%, they may be going down and playing the lottery because they want to win that 28 million. Yeah. What's going on here
3: there there's that that in i I feel like I can see connections and I can't put put words to it, but there is an absolute idolization and worship, even if we hate that thing that we worship of the privilege and the special and um, you know i'll I'll waste all my money to buy this exclusive object that only special people can buy and that might mean i can't take a shower i don't have the money to to, to afford a house but i have made myself a one i've made myself like the very ones i worship and despise at the same time um it's easy to get caught in that
2: yeah i think it's easy to hate the people that have it when it's not me that has it but yeah. would be very, very happy to be the one that has it because because
3: i would do a better job with it i wouldn't get it yeah i'm so good i wouldn't make mistakes i'm a fool right now when i'm using this voice
2: <laughs> the sarcasm voice
3: yeah yeah that's my sorry please i want that to be noted
2: yeah, that, was- I didn't know that, that was in dan's sarcasm voice other comments on this section
1: just a, a question, um, verses six through seven. Uh, you know, here are the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called. It's, it's not that rich people can't be believers. right? Um, but, but is James just kind of making the general statement that, look, it's, it's a lot harder. Maybe agreeing with Jesus in Matthew 19, it's a lot harder when we have material wealth to see ourselves as, as needy of the kind of inheritance that only God can give. Is, is he kind of saying that poor people have it easier to come to faith?
2: I, th- I think that's definitely a point in the New Testament, like in 1 Corinthians 1, not many of the high and mighty and, and, and wise and noble. And uh, it's the baser things of the world. And, and there were more slaves than kings, you know, in the kingdom, of course. Um, but I, I think there is also just a tendency of people want to treat somebody with money well because they want to get some of that money. Uh there was an article years ago of, talked about some smart CEOs and how they interviewed candidates for high-paying jobs, and all of them did basically the same thing they would take the candidate out for dinner and watch and see how they served how they treated the waiters because you're the you're the executive you got money the guy that wants the big cushy you know plan and benefits and the high salary how's he going to treat you very well and then go to jonathan just a second i'll finish this thought and then we'll go to jonathan Uh, But one of the guys said, I I would go out to my secretary and say, how did he treat you? Because there's a lot of people, they will treat people that they view as under them badly. But if you're above me and got stuff I want, then there's, and so you've got this thing here. He talks about the rich that, you know, they, they have you mow their fields and then they hold back your wages. They drag you to court, they oppress you. And yet you're sitting here. You know, begging for favor from them, yeah. and there there's a selfishness there that's really kind of wanting in on their money. I'm afraid sometimes.
0: So yeah, there's 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 a greed I think to that, and and greed often translates. We often think of that like money, but it can extend to other kind of areas as well. What what it looks like is going on in this section is there's this favoritism that's happening uh, among people, and you're willing to give to those that can give back what you're giving to them so like we, we mentioned money but that can also extend into our time or um, our uh, uh trying to think of a good way of wordiness, this but like emotional stability um or uh or you know whatever we're we're more apt to give to those that can also give the same thing back to us and so if i feel like that i i need to go and give you know, some of my time and a com- deep conversation with someone, but they're not really going to help me very much in the conversation. It's going to be all take and no give. I don't want to do that as as readily as if I know I'm going to be a, given something back in that conversation. And that can so easily happen in a lot of different areas in our life. But like you think about, especially at church, the place where people are supposed to come um, to gather together with believers and be edified and built up, yet. We don't want to, you know, we kind of tend to not want to edify unless we're being edified also. And it's just a really poor attitude. You think about Paul's attitude, one of the big statements that Paul makes that is constantly in my mind, and I know I need to do so much better, is in Second Corinthians chapter 12, when he's talking about his relationship and attitude to the Corinthians. He says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls like, wow, that's that's the polar opposite of this partial favoritism kind of attitude that's being expressed in James 2. Yeah. Justin and then Dan.
1: But just kind of the attitude we've been talking about here where we're appealing to the haves or the 1%, um, and we're, we're trying to give to them a little bit so we can get something back. It's just, it's leaving God out of the equation because what we saw of God in chapter one is he is, The father of lights, there's no variation or shadow due to change. Every gift, every perfect gift is from above. Earlier in verse five, he gives generously to all without reproach. So, you know, we almost want to make ourselves indebted to the rich. So we get a little bit back versus just coming as humble beggars to God, knowing that he will just lay the treasure store of wisdom and comfort at, you know, just leaving God out of the picture makes us very vulnerable but you can have security and peace just going to God and asking him for what only he can give.
3: I think that there's this concept of, of giving respect. Maybe there's the subconscious hoping, hoping that I can get something back from the person that I'm giving this respect that can be part of it. But I think that often we see people who are successful and we can spread that word out either uh, with money or just they have a secure life. Maybe that they're not super rich, but they're safe, or they have a good family, right? the, the well-behaved kids, all the different markers of success. They've got the house with the white picket fence. We uh, we want to respect that. We want to give them their due because the white picket fence must mean that they've done it right. And that that isn't that isn't always a, a, a clear uh, or a true. Um, uh, understanding of who that person is. Uh, James is the one who says, but the guy behind the white picket fence is the guy who is oppressing you. This teacher that you're trying to respect, it talks you down all the time. There's all sorts of different ways that we get ourselves um, paying homage and respect to somebody who treats us badly, but, but you know what? I'm still going to keep doing it. I'm still going uh, to uh, wait. It's almost like they're wasting themselves. Now, Paul served until he was spent trying to lift people up but the perspective that james is talking about here is just it it, um uh, they're they're looking up to somebody so much that they have nothing left
2: uh i'm going to read a scripture from luke 14 and then get it over to jonathan for a comment wind up and jonathan are you going to get pj's here yeah yeah you can too if you want Uh, Oh, you go, you go ahead and get it. I just want to read this from Luke chapter 14 here. We're about out of time. Y'all have talked about, you know, when you're giving because you want what you're going to get back from that person. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 14. Uh, He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers, your relatives or rich neighbors, lest also they invite you in return and you be repaid. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind." And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, or you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I don't think that means that Jesus said you can never invite your friends, your family, you know, things like that. You know, Matthew had his friends and tax collectors over, and Jesus went, and he doesn't rebuke Matthew, you know, for not having just blind and lame people there. Um, there would have been some some wealth there. But it's kind of like those not but things, work not for the bread that perishes, uh, for, for that of eternal life. We shouldn't just do things because of what we're going to get out of uh, mm-hmm. John? Yeah, I'm backtracking a little
0: bit. PJ's comment, uh, he, he referenced Proverbs 30, one of the prayers of Augur where he says, give me neither poverty nor riches, rather give me what is needful for me. And it seems like, you know, he understood that that proverb realized uh, or he realized the dangers of poverty and riches. There's really kind of dangers on both sides. Um, which James kind of dips in a little bit too. So good connection. Any other quick comments before we start wrapping up you guys have on that section here in James 2? All right. Well, thank you guys for your discussion. Thanks for uh, taking us through at the beginning, uh, talking about John and Jesus's baptisms. Um, and thank you to our audience for your participation today. Uh, Lord willing, we'll probably keep going unless there are some other questions you all want to talk about in the text in James chapter two. Um, and so like always, you can submit your questions to us that you have to BibleQuest.tv, and we'll be monitoring those throughout the week and and preparing for those. Uh, So if you have other things you want to discuss um, outside of the the book of James, we'd be happy to do that as well. Um, So thank you all. Uh, That's all we have for this week, and we will see you all next week, Lord willing.